Go after what you want to do. No matter how hard or how difficult it may seem, no matter how immature or how silly it may seem, go after what you want to do. You have the right to be heard um, and your voice matters. Panche, welcome to POVs. I'm so happy to have you here on the couch. Thank you for thank coming you. to our premiere. Oh, thank you for having me. <laughs> so it's an honor to have you here. I can't wait to talk all about your life and all the things that make you you. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. And every episode here on POVs, we start off with somewhat of a deeper question okay. to help us dive in. You ready? Ready. Okay. Do you think representation in the media can make a real change? Yes, I do. I do. And I can attest to that because when I first started acting, I was four years old when I started. I'm 20 now just for some content. Wow. So yeah. That's a lot of years yeah. acting. Yeah. And so I would watch um, Sesame Street. That was like my all-time favorite show. And it, en it ended up being the first show that I was on. So it was like a full circle moment. Wow. And I remember I didn't see like a lot of kids that looked like me on there at the time, and especially not a lot of like black girls on there. So I was like, you know what? I want to I wanna do that. I want to be on there and I want to show kids everywhere that they can do it. And then it happens. And Your I first big break being on Sesame Street? That's a, yeah. that's a big deal. It's a big deal. <laughs> yeah, that's huge. There's a lot of conversation around whether representation is truly moving the needle yeah. or whether it's checking a box. Have you ever been made to feel like you were meeting some sort of quota or box? I think in pretty much every Thing that I've ever been in, even though like I might not have realized it at the time. Um, for instance, like Power and Orange is the New Black, like I didn't, it didn't really hit me because I mean, like I was 10 when I first started working on those shows and it didn't really hit me until later on. I remember it was like season four of Power. And when I got killed off, I got stopped on the street and they were like, your character meant so much to me. It was just so nice to see you in this positive role, even though the show is like so dark. They were like, it was just nice to see you as like a glimmer of hope on the screen. I was like, oh, thank you. They felt like they saw themselves represented like with me and then with other characters in the show. So that was really like a wow moment for me. That's when you know. I mean, if yeah. real people are approaching you, it shows the impact yeah, of definitely. what you're doing. Was there a moment where you realized for the first time that you didn't have role models to look to in the media that looked like you? No, I don't feel I didn't really feel that way growing up. I felt like obviously there could have been more but I think like, I just have to give like full credit to my mom on this one. Like obviously the shows that I watched growing up, like Hannah Montana, That's So Raven, like as I got a little older, um, that's when I started to see myself and see that, oh, I can do all these things I wanna do. So I would say that it was like always instilled in me. And even if I didn't see them like reflected on screen, my mom would buy me books and she would like buy me books of like, the civil rights movement. And like, even she would find books with representation for kids like me. So if I didn't see it on screen, I saw it in a book. If I didn't see it in a book, I saw it on television. So it was always somewhere like where I felt represented. That's so great to hear. I think oftentimes it's so important that we increase the representation for ourselves yeah. and show ourselves that it's possible. Mm -hmm. So I'm happy that that's something that you've been able to find, but also mm -hmm. reclaim for yourself. Thank you. Have you ever felt nervous stepping onto a project? So for me, I've never felt nervous. I've always felt like excited or like anxious before walking onto like a set, but I've never felt nervous. So when I walk onto a set and I see someone that like I admired or whose work I looked up to for a really long time, I think that's always like the anxious part, not the nerve wracking part, but it's just really nice to like kind of meet them and finally get the chance to like tell them like, hey, I'm a fan. But it's just like kind of weird because you're like, I don't know how they're going to react. Like, are they going to? 
be warm and open and welcoming or they're just going to be like, oh, this is just an annoying little kid. So I think that's just the part. But um, I've never gotten nervous. So, wow. Yeah. That's so impressive. Thank I don't you. know how you do it. I get nervous every time before we turn the cameras on. So I've got to take a page out of your book. As a talk show host yourself, clearly you're also covering a lot of difficult topics. Yeah. Do you ever get nervous broaching those topics on your show? Um, sometimes, because I do have, like, I open it up, like, the floor, so I'll let um, fans come in, or even if it's someone's, like, first time watching, I'll let them join and, like, share their opinion. So that's where it gets a little messy, because sometimes people in the comments, they get heated, and they're like, oh, well, I disagree. I'm like, okay, everyone has the right to their opinion. So that's the part where I have to, like, watch out, because, like, if someone says something offensive, like, I'm like, okay, we have to end this. We have to end this now. The one time I was nervous was I had um, representative Cori Bush on and she was so like amazing to talk to and then like someone was in the comments and they were just being like so rude and so racist and I'm like trying to like get them off like the chat and she and she's like hey you down there and she just starts going off on them and I was like oh well thank you okay that cleared everything up and then we got right back into our conversation but that's just that's the only time it gets a little like weird well it's good that she confronted it yeah, and that you confront and, those issues because yeah. that's the only way we're going to solve them yeah do you feel comfortable having conversations with people who have different views than you? Yeah, all the time. I definitely do. Like I remember um, last year, there were some like family members and even some like close friends of mine who were against like getting vaccinated. And I was like, well, why do you guys feel that way? And they're like, well, I just don't really know or I don't have enough information. So I was able to talk to them and we were just kind of like able to reach a middle ground. They're like, okay, well, I want to give it a few more months that I'll get vaccinated. And even just talking to people now with different opinions about anything that's like going on, I think it's it's um, nice because you kind of get some perspective, like especially when I'm on campus and I do talk to some of my classmates who have different views than I do. It's interesting to hear their perspective because you not only see like like just different cultural differences, but you also get to experience like where they're coming from. Like maybe it was like how they were raised or where they grew up at and you can see like how their opinions are sort of formed. Totally, that's how we get to the bottom of every yeah. issue. We gotta understand why we believe what we believe. Mm -hmm. Are there any issues for you that you feel like you're unwilling to compromise on? Yeah, so for me, I'm pro-choice and especially with everything that's going on right now, I think it's just hard to see people who don't believe that women and not just women, but everyone should have like full autonomy of their own bodies. So I think that's something that I struggle with um, to like find even ground on, but I wouldn't say I wouldn't be friends with anyone because of it, but I'm just saying it's hard to kind of find a middle ground with that. Um, and another topic would obviously be gun control, which um, it's hard to see people that aren't for it and who don't want gun reform, especially with everything that's happened over the last few years. That's really like where I draw the line. I hear you. Those are two of the biggest issues that we're experiencing right now. Yeah. With those two issues in particular, with abortion and gun violence prevention, mm -hmm. are you able to understand where the other side is coming from? Yeah, I definitely am able to understand where the other side is coming from. Once I get to talk to them and see like why they hold their beliefs so strongly, then I do get it. How did you first find the courage to start speaking up about these issues. I know I felt this way. It's really hard to actually speak up about what matters, especially mm -hmm. in the world of cancel culture and fear of saying the wrong thing. And we're in a very polarized yeah. society. So clearly you are someone who is speaking up about what you believe in, which I so admire. Thank you. How did you find your voice? So I want to say I found my voice like 
in middle school, so 11, 12, that's when I really started like getting involved in like feminism and equality and politics and all these different things. I would like talk out about it, but then at the same time, I wasn't so vocal, like as vocal as I wanted to be about it. So I would just post like things here and there. And eventually when I got a Twitter, I would tweet about certain things that I agreed with, what I didn't um, agree with. And then finally, when I was 14 years old, I went to the National African American History Museum in Washington, D.C. Me and the cast of Power, we actually, me and the whole stars, like the network, we got a trip there for our premiere, for the season four premiere of the show. And um, there were different Congress people there and it was so nice. And so they, the museum wasn't fully open yet. So we got to see it as they were still like building things and putting in different exhibits. And I think going there was really like an eye-opening experience for me. And that really just opened my eyes. And then in 2018, I went on a trip to Georgia. And then I got to like go to like the Civil Rights Museum and um, the Human Rights Museum and all these different museums and just really learn more about like my history and different cultures. And I'd say that was really like the defining moment that pushed me to become more involved in like activism and politics. Those experiences are so important because it actually shows you what you're passionate about. Yeah, it really does. And I think nowadays with social media activism, there's been a lot of pushback. Yeah. Do you think social media is an effective tool for activism? I do, because I would say like, I think it's really hard for a lot of people to like organize protests in their areas, especially people that live in like rural areas. So I think social media does help when people do wanna spread change within their communities and also like within different parts of the world. And it also helps, um, it helps us see what's going on in different parts of the world. As, as well. So yeah. I think social media is really like the door, like how we get the door open with totally. that reason. And I feel that way. Yeah. I think there are a lot of people out there who really feel that social media activism is only performative mm -hmm. and it's not advancing change. It's just slacktivism. People yeah. behind a phone tweeting and sharing their opinion on issues, but it's not moving the needle. Mm -hmm. What are your thoughts on that perspective? I think to a certain degree, it can be performative. Like if you're just using it to get followers, like if you don't actually care about any of the, the topics that you're speaking up about. And I know like we saw this a lot um, two years ago, especially like with, um, um, God bless George Floyd and um, Breonna Taylor and um, Elijah McClain. And it's like, no, it's not a trend when people are like begging for their lives, they're begging to live. And I think that's what a lot of people don't necessarily understand. Like we see these celebrities and sometimes we see these like influencers and they're like, oh, well, I'm just gonna post because everyone's posting about it. And it's like, you can't do that. Like, do you actually understand the severity of what you're posting about? So I think that's kind of where there is sort of this line with social media, but I think once people start to understand what they're really posting about and what they're talking about, and if they get more involved, then then it's like, okay, we can sort of push the performative activism away, but obviously it's still something that's gonna be there. And I don't see that changing anytime soon. I totally hear that. Yeah. And how have you been able to determine what is fact? What are the issues you should speak up about? I think people also fear that sharing about different issues without knowing enough can yeah. start the spread of misinformation. Definitely. So how do you know what issues to speak up about? And how do you determine when you should be posting about something versus doing something else? I think a lot of young people don't quite know where to start. Yeah. So for me, I just research, like I always research, I find a credible source, not just one credible source, but multiple credible sources. Then I'll ask around, like I'll ask my friends, I'll ask my friends that are involved in activism, like, hey, have you guys heard of this? Um, what are the pros, what are the cons? Like, is this something I should get behind? 
and then I'll post about it. So yeah, there's definitely research that goes into it. That's an amazing formula yeah. that I think we should all do a little bit more of. I know you mentioned that abortion and gun violence are two issues that you care so deeply about. Are there any topics for you that are extremely hard to talk about that you typically avoid altogether? I think I just really like tackle anything or whatever I feel like needs to be heard. I don't, I'm trying to think, but I don't think there's anything that I kind of like straight away from. That's so impressive. Well, <laughs> Donche, what is the secret? How did you get to this place where you were completely open to sharing your views, to starting these important conversations while also being a public figure? Is there any advice you would give to your younger self or another young person out there that wants to do what you're doing but doesn't quite know how to do it? The secret would just be to like surround yourself with like minds when you find like-minded people and you find people that have the same interests as you. And even if you find people that don't have the same interests as you, it's just nice to kind of share your opinion and talk. And I think keeping things bottled up or if you want to speak about something, but you're not sure how to go about it because you want to like be perfect or say it like the right way. I think that can like hinder your growth. Like, um, intellectually. So I think it's just good to speak out about something, whether you're right or you're wrong. It's good to get your opinion out there. It's good to be heard. So I just say, just talk, just let it out. Even if you have to talk to yourself, talk to a camera and upload it, talk to a sunflower. I mean, <laughs> it's just good to get those thoughts out. And sometimes things don't make sense in your head, but once you get it out, you're like, okay, that makes sense. I get it. And practice yeah. helps. Yes. I sometimes, if I don't really know what I believe in, I'll even sit in front of my mirror yes. and just talk out loud and just start processing. And I think you're so right. If we don't open up, things will just bottle yeah. and bubble up. So I'm so glad you brought that up. Thank you. So Donche, I want us to head over to our next segment on POVs, okay. where we're gonna start introducing some other viewpoints from the larger Gen Z community. Okay. So keep an eye on your phone. You're gonna be getting some texts from our community. Okay. And when you get a text, you're gonna read it out loud. And then I want to hear your POV. Okay, awesome. <laughs> Let's do it. It seems like every movie and show these days is just hiring people for diversity points and to check a box, not because actors are actually talented. What do you think? That's a deep one. Okay, I'm gonna say that I disagree. However, there is one part that I do agree with. I feel like a lot of like television shows and movies like that are being developed or newer shows, I feel like they're hiring people who are just popular. I wouldn't say like for diversity, but I feel like people that are just popular on social media, whereas there's actors who have been acting for like 10, 20, 30 years and they're skipping past them because they want someone that's popular and that'll get like the younger generation to watch. A lot of times like television studios and film studios, they're like missing a huge audience. So I would say I don't agree with the diversity part because um, I feel like there's so, there's lots of undiscovered talent and many actors who just haven't gotten their breaks yet. And so it's nice to see them in a project. And it's also really nice to have diversity in a project because I feel like it's more of a modern reflection of the world we live in. I mean, I've seen that trend too, that a lot of people are casting TikTokers and yeah. big influencers in roles. Do you ever feel like going that route is actually choosing actors or actresses with less talent? in those roles? Sometimes. I'm not going to say everyone because there were like things that I was skeptical about then I watched them and I was like, oh, they're like really good. And I think um, sometimes you have influencers who wanted to be actors, but they just didn't find like a breakthrough or a break in that lane. So they went to social media. So I would say that there is that line. However, you have other people who are just like popular and then studios end up hiring them. And it's like, oh no, they should have just like pick someone who has experience, so yeah. What's your take on Addison Rae being cast in that Netflix film? Do you think that's an example of 
the right move to bring a TikToker into a traditional film or was that not the right move? I have no idea because I haven't watched the film yet. I do feel like Netflix, they did want popularity with that, but I also feel like they were trying to cater to their younger audience, which I think is like fine as well because there is sort of an untapped market that Netflix hasn't really tapped into. Like they do cater to it with like the Netflix kids, but there's also that awkward age group that's like 10 to like 13. And it's like, do I watch kids Netflix or do I watch regular Netflix? Right. So I feel like that's really the market that they were trying to cater to. I do think that was an example of them using like um, popularity and followers to bring in a new audience. You gotta watch it and then I wanna know what you Okay, think. every show is so political now. I just wanna be entertained. Is that too much to ask? I don't think it's too much to ask. I just think you have to know what you're looking for. Obviously, I feel like shows now are more conscious as to like what's a joke, what isn't a joke, like where that line between funny and offensive is. That's a good thing that um, shows and um, screenwriters, they're just more aware of like what they're putting out there. I wouldn't say everything is too political. It's just kind of like where you're looking. Like, I feel like if you turn on ABC, like during primetime, like you know that you're gonna find like a nice heartwarming show. You're gonna find like Abbott Elementary. But I think if you like start getting into like the cable channels and the network shows like HBO, like obviously there's Euphoria, which tackles some really heavy topics. Do you think Euphoria is an accurate representation of Gen Z? No. And here's why, uh, why I say no. I think it's more about like the route Gen Z could have taken if we weren't so involved in like many different things. So I think um, that's kind of like, it provides an alternative look at where Gen Z could have ended up. Um, and I know like Zendaya even touched on that point once. So I don't think it's accurate. It's sort of like a dystopian, like American horror story kind of take on like Gen Z. Um, but I do think it's very interesting. Like I was a little late to the party. I didn't start watching until this year. Um, I, I tried to watch it before and I was like, you know what, this is too much. I'm just gonna watch it later. But shout out to Storm Breed. We, we know each other and she's on there and she's so amazing and talented. So I think I think everyone on that show is like so talented, like to make me wanna like punch like, um, oh my God, what's his name? Jacob Lordy. Like he like absolutely kills it as Nate Jacobs because like I actually hate him on the show, not in real life. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah, it I makes think, you feel yeah, something. It makes it, yeah, and isn't that their slogan? Like feel something like the show literally does that. So I think they all do like such an amazing job, like Sam Levinson, Zedaya. So it's it's an amazing show. I hear you. Yeah. If they asked you to be on the show, oh, would you say definitely, yes? Definitely, definitely. Let's, let's manifest yes. that. <laughs> Being able to be vegan is so privileged. Eating healthy and sustainably is impossible when you're low income. Honestly, I feel like I don't I don't know when we're like where to even comment when people like like start with this, but I think it is interesting. It is something that needs to be touched on because there are areas where vegan food is inaccessible. Like um I just came from North Carolina and in certain areas they like I'd say I did good like there were vegan options, but if you go to certain parts they just don't have them and their grocery store don't don't even cater to that market. So I would say like you can become vegan no matter what your income or your life looks like. Um, it's all about finding like options. So you can go to your grocery store. It's actually cheaper to buy fresh produce than it is to buy something that's frozen or in a can. Um, and like tofu, it costs like 99 cents or a dollar depending on where you get it from. So I think it's about knowing your options and knowing where to find them. I wouldn't say it's impossible, but it is a little bit harder if you are low income and if you do live in a low income neighborhood. Do you have any ideas about how we can make vegan food more accessible? Yes, I would say once, I mean, it just has to be, it's popular. It's already popular now. Like we're seeing more stores move into like different neighborhoods and um, a lot of neighborhoods are getting gentrified. And so we see that there is a big boom in veganism. There is a need for it, but I feel like in certain neighborhoods, when markets that do cater to veganism come in, they, they do raise the prices instead of making them like accessible as to like 
where they would be in a different neighborhood. So yeah, that's really like the biggest issue when it comes to veganism. But I feel like it's nice that more stores and franchises are catering to people who are vegan. I just think the prices need to be lowered a little bit. And if you can't like find it affordable in your neighborhood, obviously travel outside to a different neighborhood. If you can. Gen Z has no idea what they're talking about and they clearly don't have enough life experience to really know what they believe in. Why should anyone listen to their opinions? Hot take. That is a hot take. They're coming in hot. Okay, so I wholeheartedly disagree. I think a lot of people don't realize that Gen Z, like most of us, I think like the oldest, they're like 25, 26. Um, we have been here for quite some time and I think we do have like the right to our opinions, especially given that Gen Z, I mean, we've lived through so much that most generations have lived through over the course of their life. Like everything's just kind of coming in. There's climate change and all these other crazy social justice movements that are happening. And I think people should listen to us. I think if people, if more people listen to us, we would kind of be in a better position as a society if people did value and respect our opinions just a little bit more. Not saying that we know everything because we can still learn. And I think that's one of the most important things in life. It's learning like as you grow up and get older, but um, we do have the right to be heard. I couldn't agree more. Obviously I'm biased, but that's what this platform is all about. Yeah, I think, especially as the generation that's gonna be inheriting a lot of those issues, we should have a seat at the table. Yeah, so I'm so glad you brought that up. Okay, so let's drop a hot take. Um, I don't really, I don't really have one. I feel like I said everything, but uh, a hot take. I would say a hot take for me would be that climate change is just as important as everything that's going on in the world. I think more people need to really seriously look at it and pay attention, especially like when it comes to our politicians and our senators and our Congress people, I think they need to take it a bit more seriously. I think if more people, if more politicians paid attention to climate change, certain issues could be avoided just because like, since the polar ice caps are melting, um, there are a lot of diseases and stuff that are trapped in there. And when that melts, it kind of spreads out into the mainland. And so we will have sucks, but we'll probably have more epidemics and pandemics in the coming years. Why don't you think politicians are taking it seriously? I think they don't take it seriously because the areas that they live in, it doesn't affect them. They don't get hit with it quite hard. Um, most politicians aren't really like in um, the middle of California and they're in these forests that are burning down. Most politicians aren't living in the Amazon rainforest that is um, dying each and every day. So when certain things don't necessarily affect us, we don't really care. Um, Poison Kate, when COVID first hit the US, we were like, oh, well, it's not gonna get us. It's not affecting us. It's not a big deal. But then I think when it does hit you, that's like, oh, okay, you know, this should be taken seriously. So I think that's why most politicians don't necessarily care about climate change. But I think if it's anything we've learned um, over the past couple of years is that we shouldn't wait until something affects us to make active change. Okay, you gotta prevent the fire before it starts. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. So Danche, I'm so grateful that I got to learn a little bit more about all of your POVs on life from being an actress at such a young age to where you are now being a student. You really do it all. Thank you. What would you say to a young person out there if you could share one message with our entire generation? What would you want them to know? Go after what you want to do. No matter how hard or how difficult it may seem, no matter how immature or how silly it may seem, go after what you want to do. You have the right to be heard um, and your voice matters. It may not seem like you're making a difference, but it matters. So get out there and let your voice be heard. Don't say it. Bye.
is what every young person needs to hear. So I'm so grateful you shared that with me today, with everyone who's gonna be listening to this conversation. And thank you for being the definition of what it means to actually go out there and walk the walk. Well, thank you for having me on and letting me share my POVs. Of course. Bring it in. Thank you. You're so awesome. Thank you so much. <laughs> Oh, how do you feel? Good. Like You're it. such a natural. Oh, thank you. You like really have such an amazing opinion on every issue. Thank you so much. Thank you. Wow. Do you have a favorite project you've ever worked on? No, I love them all equally. People ask me that all the time, but I really do love them all equally. Ready? One, two, three.